Morning, 11 o'clock service. How y'all doing today? That was good. That was really good. I was exp- ex- expecting like five people to clap, but that was good. Good job, 11 o'clock. Better than nine o'clock. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So it's good morning. I'm glad you guys are here today at church on this beautiful Sunday, a chilly day. But hey, I'm not complaining. It's not hot outside. So sometimes we get some complaining about all these different things. But man, I'm not going to complain today about the weather. It's amazing out there. So um, if, if, you, if you're first time here and not know who I am, my name is Ricky Wolf. And uh, I'm our front end coordinator here at the church, which basically means that uh, I ever see uh, basically from the street to the seat when you walk in here. Here on the campus, uh, when on the weekend, so but I get to come up here and and preach every once in a while, and I get to do this, and I I love doing it. I love speaking. Um, I've looked up before, like the top fears of like phobias and stuff in life, and like number two was like death, and then number one was public speaking. But I honestly love it, and like especially, but like sometimes people even ask me, like, man, Ricky, are you excited to speak? And I'm like. Yeah, no, because like the preparation that goes into it is and then making sure you don't say something offensive or say something that's theologically incorrect. And but then you get to come up here and encourage some people and motivate some people. And then you see the harvest that happens from the speaking of like when people come to know and and get encouraged and motivated to step out into their purpose and also to accept Jesus. That's what it's all about. And that's what church is all about. So you already have fun today. Two people were fun, excited. Yeah, I already have some fun and encouraged. There we go. Expectancy. That's good. So the, basically, I just got to get this out of my system, and I want to get this out of y'all, y'all's too. And on the count of three, I just want y'all to yell, woo, as loud as possible. One, two, three. Woo! Oh, man. Legend uh, goes to my man, Ric Flair. Like he says, it's in order to be the man. You got to beat the man. And that's uh and if you don't know who like me on a personal level, today is going to be fun for me because I'm just going to say this is I love God and I also love professional wrestling. Now I know what you're thinking. I know what probably half of half of you are like nerding out and you don't want to say it because you're kind of embarrassed. Some of you guys are already thinking that the rest of you are thinking wrestling is fake. (laughs) And you know what? Amen. It is. But let me just go ahead and debunk this argument real quick. Okay. Before I even get into preaching. Is that anybody gone to a movie before? Nobody's gone to a movie. Okay, good, good. I'm just wanted to make sure I was my audience. So you've been to a movie and you've always, whenever you go into a movie, like, you know, you see La La Land with the dancing and the singing. And I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy, the volume two the other night. And you never walk out of a movie like, oh, well, actually, when you walk out of a movie, you're like, man, that was either really good or man, that was awful. And you're never once in like when I went to Guardians of the Galaxy, I never once thought, man, Rocket, that is so fake. There would never be a raccoon in space. Like I, I never was like, that's fake, lame, or La La Land. Like if I and, and I'm just gonna be real. I saw the movie. Not gonna lie. I, I'm not a big like Broadway thing, but it was actually pretty good, enjoyable. But I didn't think to myself like, like, gosh, 
gosh, that's such a fake. Well, it kind of actually kind of did because I'm like, nobody gets in flash mobs and jumps on top of cars and dances and sings all choreographed, unlike ortho, like no out of nowhere. Like that just doesn't happen. So, so, and even to some of you, you know, you know, you you church people that don't see those type of movies and stuff. But like when you go see like the resurrection of Gavin Stone or Facing the Giants, one of those good TBN movies or something. Like, you don't call the church that filmed the movie and say, hey, can I speak to Gavin Stone? No, because he's fake. He's not a real person. He's an actor, or he's playing a character. So simply, the thing is, is now that I've gotten that out of my chest, that's basically what wrestling is. It's, an, it's a performance with play, of like a play with script and stunts. And so now, welcome to church. Yeah. And so... I wanted to show you guys for the unfamiliar ones because I wanted to talk about wrestling. Because we wrestle all the time with different things, different struggles. But I don't know about you, but I have personally, physically, from a physical standpoint, never wrestled with God. Never have in my entire life. If you have, then I don't know, you praise God. But I have never personally wrestled God. And I want to talk about a guy who's physically wrestled God. But first I want to show you guys some physical wrestlers and where it's become from and now how they all affect us nowadays. These first two giants, literal. One guy on the left is Andre the Giant. And then the man on the right that probably, whether you're a wrestling fan or not, you know him, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, he's, I mean, he's been in movies, really bad movies, like, not like, oh, that was like raunchy, but like, man, that sucked, like, that was bad, but he's been in all these different things, but this was the golden age of professional wrestling, all the, you saw when Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan at Wrestlemania, uh, getting, you know, Hulk Hogan body slamming them, and everyone's like, yeah, and all the kids in the world rejoice, Hulkamania, you know, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, Hulk up, you know, I don't know, I can't do it, I'm not Hulk Hogan. So that was way before my time. This next guy, you all, everyone knows too. The Rock. Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? I'm not going to say the rest because it's kind of bad and raunchy and not church appropriate. So, but he is not only an actor. He acts with. He like always insults Kevin Hart on movies that he's in somehow, some way. But before Rock was an actor, he was a wrestler. That's where he got to start. Now he's like his pearly white smile and everything. But then before he was suplexing dudes and cutting major awesome promos. And that's one of the biggest wrestling stars of the late 90s. And this next guy has a special place in my heart. Even though he's kind of hated now. Mr. John Cena. And you can't see him. All the wrestling fans were like, ooh. And everyone else was like, don't know what that means. That's his little like taunt thing. But I love John Cena as a kid. He was like Hulk Hogan to me and to my generation. That's that. This is for, kind of that for some of you old timers. This is who he is. And now he's in movies and stuff. I like John Cena when he. I had the shirt, the chain, the 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 belt which said Doctor of Thugonomics on it. It was like it was bad. My parents had to take it away from me and like this is just this is too much. So John Cena is the man. He's kind of the top dog of WWE. And so this next guy, I want to kind of talk more about. Next one. Mr. Stone Cold Steve Austin. The rattlesnake. Texas rattlesnake. He didn't, do, he didn't care what he did. He went in, did stuff, and left. He was the Texas rattlesnake. He was the outlaw. He was what, the, what you call an anti-hero of the WWE. 
And during this time of, in the WWE in 19, right from 95 to 2000, they were competing with another company, WCW. Some of you guys were alive and well in during this time. I was like a baby. But anyway, for long story short, they were competing and uh, they were shoot, busting out ratings that were beating Monday Night Football. And back now, even nowadays, The Walking Dead, everything you can think of, like it, wrestling was ruling TV. Like it was a big deal. And it was in the wrestling type. Obviously, nowadays, like people think, oh, that's wrestling because of Stone Cold Steve Austin, because of the things that he did. And this pu- highly publicized feud in wrestling, not in really real life, but with this man, Vince McMahon, the chairman of WWE, this whole thing represented some and it resonated as well. It wasn't just a wrestling storyline. It wasn't just something that was kind of cool. But people actually latched on to it. And people like, uh, like understood. And they also like felt like this, this, was, this, was, this, is, this is me. Stone Cold represented the average guy. And McMahon represented the man. The billionaire evil guy who's always trying to do stuff to make money and this, that. People bought into that. Because that's real life. And Stone Cold was the ultimate symbol of rebellion. Rebellion is what we all wrestle with every single day. And that's why life isn't perfect. That's why we struggle with things. Because of rebellion. And because of this one verse though, is because of a rebellion, this is what has happened. Because everyone, in Romans 3.23, and I'll have it up on the side screens, it says, For everyone has sinned, and we all fall short of God's glorious standard because rebellion it wasn't because we you know didn't pay our tithe or you know said a cuss word it was because our heart it was a heart condition rebellion because that's where every problem that we suffer from everything that we deal with comes from is that of a heart of rebellion and rebellion simply is this rebellion is not trusting god and his promises that he says over your life basically it's not trusting god and it all started back in the Garden of Eden, the very beginning of time. God created Adam and Eve to be the first humans to live in a world and basically to be provided for everything. They didn't have to work for nothing, didn't have to do, uh, you know, they were just, everything was provided for them so they could freely worship God and live life in a paradise on earth. Well, you know how that story went. They screwed it up for us. And so now we're in this situation right now where we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now, the rebellious part, though, of, of us comes from our fleshly nature. Well, this, this thing called skin and bone. Amen. And so in Ephesians 6.12, it says this. Is that although we have the, basically, we have, we have our flesh, blood, we have all our, you know, uh, brain, we have all these physical things. And you may think that, oh, maybe it's just, oh, my rebellious kid or my, these other people are making me mad. But, and I'm, I'm struggling, but this is actually... What goes down? I've re- put this in the New King James Version because I like the terminology that it uses. It says in Ephesians six twelve is that for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we don't. Even though people make people do cause problems. At the end of the result, everything comes down to a root issue. Is that we're not fighting just with people. We're fighting with things and somebody that wants to steal your potential away. 
the potential that God's put in your life and said over your life, that's what he wants to do. He wants to take that away from you. And you're fighting literally against that every single day, literally wrestling with that. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a, I don't even have a background in amateur wrestling and everything, but I love watching combat sports with pro wrestling, MMA and everything. And a lot of times what can happen is when someone gains the upper hand in a submission move or whether they got the, a good punch in and the guy or whoever is just fading, is that it's hard to come back from that. It is. It's difficult. It's really hard. And it takes a very skilled person to be able to do that. And not lots of training and outsmarting your opponent. And so what that happens is in, is that these people and, and these things that come against us is that we ultimately have to outsmart it. We have to outsmart the enemy. We got to basically, he tries to steal, kill, and destroy you. But you got to outsmart it, starve it, and hate it in order to claim victory. And in order to climb the ladder of God's success... Reach the championship belt. Like that video you talked about or that we showed up on the side screens that a ladder match is a staple in, in wrestling, not even just in WWE, but around the world. And normally a ladder is suspended and there's a title up in, up in the air and whoever grabs it wins the belt. And so I want to talk about a guy who literally he climbed a ladder, but, and that's a whole different passage. But this guy was named Jacob and he literally wrestled with God. Not from a a spiritual standpoint, like, oh man, I've been wrestling with this. No, he literally got a wrestling match with God himself. It's crazy. I don't even know how that's possible. And I I look, and if you look back at Jacob himself in the Bible, the, the person that it is, is that you'd see that this dude, he wasn't a good guy. He wasn't some, he wasn't John Cena. He wasn't Hulk Hogan overcoming the, the bad guys. He was, a, he was a pretty bad dude, someone you consider ungodly. He lied, he cheated, manipulated to get what he wanted and to ultimately motivate him and himself and take from everybody else. One of the biggest things that he had done was that his father, being Isaac in the Bible, was going to pass, basically pass the torch to one of his sons, Esau or Jacob. And Esau was the main candidate, basically. He was the older brother. The bigger brother, he had a beard, he had nice hair, he was jacked. He probably got kicked out of Planet Fitness for being too jacked type thing. And like he had all the credentials to be the guy to pass the torch to. So Jacob, trying to gain for his own own benefit and, and lie and cheat and manipulate his way to the top, he basically came in, uh, disguised himself as Esau and stole it right out from, from Isaac. And so he did that and he got what he wanted and he got what he deserved. But unfortunately, he came to a place that everybody comes to sometime in their life. Because you may, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, in church especially, I'm not going to ask somebody, raise your hand if you're a liar. Because nobody would raise their hand, first of all. And then second of all, which is a lie itself. But and second of all, you would, it would also, everyone would, everyone would have to. I could even, I have to say, I have lied. I have I've done things for my own benefit. We all have done these things. And I wonder to my, even my, myself, why does God put these type of people in the Bible? Why, does, why are these people significant in God's word? Some like Jacob. He's a liar. He's a thief. And he's, and he's, uh, and he's done all these bad things. But if you look a little bit farther even and throughout the Bible, 
God's used some people that are, they're jacked up. Like they got serious issues. Like they need some serious counseling and, and discipleship. Because, and, and they were being used by God to lead people. For example, that guy Noah that you sang about in church and read the, you know, how he built the ark and all that. The dude was addicted to alcohol. He was an alcoholic. He was a drunk. I mean, flip. I don't know any, if anybody in this room decides to build a huge boat. I don't even, can't even think of the link right now. They're probably, they, all the people at that time was like, Noah had a couple too many. You know, just, you know, I build a boat now. But God chose him and he was crazy enough, unfortunately, to believe it, that God was going to, you know, help him and use him and use his family to repopulate the earth and all these, be this big leader and this person that we still talk about today. Same thing with Moses. Moses was a guy that was supposed to lead his people out of Egypt into the promised land. That's a, that should be a task for a great charismatic leader that knows everything and is super qualified and, you know, has taken John Maxwell leadership courses and got their degree in business, you know, and, uh, and, and, and had a great, you know, worked at a C3 100 company or whatever. I don't know the difference, but Moses couldn't, couldn't talk. He stuttered. He, he had to have someone else translate for him because he couldn't talk that well. But he still led his people out of slavery and into the promised land because ultimately God used him. Because God uses those people to show that it's not their talent alone that gets them. It's God in them being used and glorified. Because talent alone will only get you so far. Because if you're a great baseball player or a great, uh, in, in, or you're a great sprinter, if you just rely that, oh, I'm, I'm really fast, and you don't do nothing on it to get better, to expound on it, to broaden your horizons or challenge yourself, you're not going to get drafted in the NFL. You're not going to go to the MLB because that talent will eventually wear off. It'll eventually die off. You can't get on talent alone. So God was, is trying to teach us that throughout the Bible. And so he uses Jacob in these situations to, to show you guys something today. And it showed me something. And so in Genesis 32, 22 for 30, it says this. It says, during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two servant wives, and his 11 sons and crossed the Jabbok River with them. After taking them to the other side, he sent over all his possessions. He's, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And I'm going to stop right here for a second. This is what we all tend to do when we're in this position in life. Because we all get to a place where we want to isolate ourselves and be on our own. Because Jacob had gotten to the top. He would got what he had wanted. But after a while, if you do it on false pretenses and you either avoid God or do it your own way, you'll realize that you can't do it alone. And so there could be shame, there could be guilt, there could be frustration, bitterness, all these things. And that's why people want to isolate themselves. That's what keeps people from church. That's what keeps people from stepping in their purpose. That's what keeps people from volunteering. Because they are, 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 are full, afraid that people are going to see all these different things and judge them and all this. And they isolate themselves. And they only dig themselves even deeper into a hole. So that's what Jacob was at. He was at a crossroads in his life. He was between, okay, I got to do something right, or I'm just going to just simply exist. So this is what happened next. And I don't know how this came about and how this got challenged, 
But I just trust my Bible, my sword, that it's going gonna, it's gonna to show you exactly the same. It says, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. And he says, but Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob was at a point in his life where he had to wrestle with God. I was always wondering, why does it say the man? Why is it, who is this man? And what it is, is God, before he even, before he came in the flesh as Jesus, he came down to show us what him and he, basically as a metaphor of what he would eventually do on a cross. That he would wrestle with the enemy. He would wrestle with that thing. And he would also, and it was also to set up a way for us. And to make us and show us how that he changes us. He doesn't just fix us, but he changes us. And so Jacob had to wrestle with God. Literally. Because he wanted a blessing. Now there's a lot of you right here that... You probably feel like this. I've felt like this before. God, I want you to do something. I need it. I'm at a point in my life where I don't know where else to turn. What else to do? I, and literally it reverts to violence and wrestling and, and trying to pull it out of God. Because God, honestly, that's what God wants. God is, it was not a passive aggressive God. He is, is a all in tune pursuing God. Because God doesn't just sit there and, and say, well, you know, oh, well, maybe we should talk about this later. I've had a bad. No, he or no. Well, I know you're going through a lot right now. Like, no, he wants to get to the problem and he wants to do that and get that out of your life so that he can become your leader so that he can have you in the part of the family. Because God wants you. He wants you to be a part of his family. He's not this guy that just wants to beat you across the head with the Bible. Maybe that was your preacher back home. Maybe that was your mom or daddy. But that's not God. God is a God of love and he cares for you and he's full of grace and mercy. And sometimes when he, ha- you know, when you got to discipline your kids, sometimes you got to do some crazy stuff. Sometimes your kids want, you literally want to wrestle with your kids because they just drive you so up the wall. So Jacob was like, I'm not letting you go, even though you broke my socket or hip and arm and you gave me a black eye and I'm about to pass out because you put me in the sleeper hold. But I'm not going to give up until you bless me. And so because a lot of people right there, they'd be like, oh, my hip's broken. I can't do that. I'm done, God. You won, you know, and you're Jesus. So praise be unto thine holy name. Like I'm done. But. It's weird because God actually rewarded his dedication, his almost rebellion, so to speak. And he actually blessed him because of that. And this is how he did it. He said, what is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. He said, your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on, you will be called Israel. Because you have fought with God and with men and have won. And so the crazy thing is, is that he, his whole life was changed in that instant. Amen. And you can look back even to the New Testament. There was a guy named Paul who was once named Saul, whose whole thing was that he was going to kill Christians. He hated Christians and he hated people that followed after Jesus. But God had to also appear to him 
and tell him, Paul, Saul, why are you, why are you, why are you hurting me? Why are you hurting my people? Why are you trying to kill us and take us out? He had to get in the way of Saul and radically change his life and literally change his name to Paul. There's a foreshadowing. Because when God changes you, he doesn't just fix you. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die so your brokenness would feel better and you'd feel a little bit, little bit less broken in your brokenness. He, he came to completely change you and restore you of any brokenness in the past. Have you ever been to a classic car show? You see the cars that were made in the 1950s that are completely restored to the way they were back when they were first made. You ain't going to just go to get some junk car, just fix the oil, the gas gauge or fix the engine light or fix the headlight. Like that's God's not a patch up God. He's a complete restoration God that wants to restore your heart, restore your soul and restore the people that you know's heart that doesn't know him. He's a pursuing God. That's his, who he is. And sometimes he has to wrestle with us, too, to do that. And so, in good wrestling fashion, you know, I, wanted to, I always like to give you practical ways that you can take home with you. So I'm not just giving you some fancy vernacular to talk about. But I want to give you something practical because God gave us ways and, and gave us steps that we have to take so that we can accomplish our purpose. And I want to show you these things in good WWE fashion. Good old-fashioned climb the ladder. Now, the thing about with steps is that when you're on your, on your walk and in, in, in following Jesus, is that the first thing that you have to do on this process to climb the ladder of faith is that you have to admit that you've missed the mark. You've missed the mark, God's glorious standard. Like you said in Romans 3.23, is all fall, we've all fallen short. That means including me, that mean, includes Pastor Clay, that includes Donald Trump, that includes um, Billy Graham, that includes Joel Osteen, that's everybody, Hulk Hogan, John, everybody has fallen short of God's glorious standard. And so when we, have to, when we admit that in our heart, it gives us that peace. It gives us that strength of, you know what? I'm not perfect. I don't have to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders. Because then you have to take that next step of basically asking Jesus to be the leader of your life. So that, because I, you can't do it on your own, so let Jesus do that. He says, cast your burdens onto me and I will give you rest. Because there's so many people that walk into this life and walk into church and walk into work with so many unnecessary burdens on their back that you could just simply give it to Jesus. Let Jesus take the weight. Trust him. That's the third thing. It's trust that God will do what he says he's going to do. Trust him through the hard times. I know this is easier said than done. And I, last, time I hit, last time I was up here, I hit really hard on this, but... This is where it kind of gets a little bit difficult because it's easy in the moment, especially when you're at church or wherever and you feel and God has, has moved in your life. And once you're out of the atmosphere, out of the, the, the influence of people that are good and that want to bring you up and want to do right by you, when you're out with, with those people that don't want that or they're, they're not like you, they're not like your new change because when you accept Christ in your life, you change. 
You change. Growing people change. He doesn't just patch you up. He restores you. So this is where the trust comes in. And this is where, even like myself right now, I'm trusting this ladder to hold me up. I'm afraid of heights. I'm more afraid of heights than public speaking and death. Just saying. But I have to trust that Jesus is going to hold me up somehow. And I also have to trust in what he's given me with ladders because uh, these things are right. They're good. And so the thing, though, is about with WWE and these ladder matches. If you ever a wrestling fan, if you ever watched a ladder match in your life, you know, and like I said, wrestling's fake. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's scripted. It's a work. It's this type of stuff. There's always some clash right at the top of the ladder. Right before they're going to grab the belt, there's always like, oh, he's going to grab the belt. Then Pammy gets punched in the face or something crazy or someone runs up a ladder and does some crazy stuff. And so this is where it kind of gets even more conflicting because now you got to obey what he says. It's a four step because it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to walk about it because I know it's and it. And trust me, it can happen. It's hard, but the Bible says in James is, and it's going to be on the side screens is that in James, it says, don't just listen to God's word, but you must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Now, this is where a lot of people step off the ladder. And they're like, that's, I can't do that. Or they get caught up or they, 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 they you look, because the Bible's not designed to be a window where you point out everyone else's faults. It's designed to be a mirror to show you what you need to improve and how God needs to change your heart. And that's what, in order for you to change other people's lives and be an example, your heart's got to be in the right place and your heart's got to be in touch, in obedience with God. And this is where it gets messy. This is where it gets hard. Because like what always happens is you can either, A, you could be totally fighting the good fight and you may be, shoot, you may be even obeying God, doing all these great things, going to church regularly, reading your Bible, learning and really obeying what God says, but you go back to Ephesians where it talked about flesh, blood enemies, all of a sudden out of nowhere, it just kind of is like <laughs> fall right down off the ladder and you're back down to even below where you were at the start. You literally hit rock bottom, unbearable. And now it's like, God, I wrestled with you for heaven's sake. I climbed the ladder. I did all the right steps. I did all this good stuff. I've been a better person. But why is these happening to me? Are you mad at me? Did I do something wrong along the way? No. Because this is where the crazy thing happens. Is that the, that, that, that evil principalities that are out to get you? The, Satan's goal is to steal, kill, and destroy you. And he wants to literally make your life a living hell. Unbearable. But the funny thing is, is that the Bible also talks about that God turns everything that's bad and turns it into our good. So, sometimes the enemy can press us so hard, get us so down, knock us us off the ladder, injure our leg, break our hip, make it, give us a black eye. And where we literally get so unbearable and so, even, even if it's far from God, sometimes the enemy can lead you to Christ. 
Because you can say, because even you can say, it's like, you know what, enemy? It's been, I've been out of church so long. I need to get back in church. I need to get back in my Bible. I need to get my family back involved. Because I've literally hit so low that I need to be connected back to the source. I need to stop wrestling with all these other evil things and trust God that he's going to wrestle for them. And so that, you know what, I may have fell off the ladder because the enemy pushed me. But the beautiful thing is, is that God is that loving, caring God that's going to pick the ladder right back up. And he's like, you know what? You may have fallen off. You may have struggled. may have been hurt. You may have, hey. But guess what? Climb the ladder now. So you've done all these steps. You've gone through this. And the last thing is that you got to walk in your purpose. Walk in that victory that God has given you. And grab the belt at the end of the ladder. And basically, the champ is only always going to be God at the end of the day. But this right here represents your purpose. Because now that I'm the champ, I'm the WWE faith champ. It's not even a real belt, but I'm going to make it a real belt today. Is that now that I can walk in that in the full confidence that, you know what, enemy, you may have tried to beat me up. You may have had a sleeper hold. You may have had me pulled down. But you know what? My God is the real champ. He's not going to give up. He's never going to quit. He just said that he just kicked your butt. And John 3.16, instead of Austin 3.16, said, My God is going to kick your butt. Nobody else got that except wrestling fans. Praise God. But Jesus gave us this thing called a life. And he gave us purpose. So that we wouldn't just settle for anything. That we wouldn't just, once we get pushed off the ladder, that we would stay in rock bottom. That's not what he wants for you. He does not want you to stay at the bottom of the ladder. Because you know what? Sometimes you may get knocked off four or five times before you ever get this thing. But my key phrase and what you always have to realize, just like Jacob had to realize when he was wrestling God and what he did not do is he did not give up. He did not give up on the fight. He did not give in the match. He didn't tap out. He didn't say, I'm tired. I need a break because you will, though, you will be pushed to your edge in this life. But at the end of the day, your motto needs to be, I'm never going to give up. Because this is the ultimate prize, your purpose that God gives you through his salvation, through his love, through his grace. So that when you walk in this purpose is that you can bring a lot of people alongside of you in the purpose. And then it turns into a tag team championship because then you got multiple people and it turns into all this different stuff. And now you're populating the kingdom and it doesn't just become a symbolic belt, but that's your mission. That's what God's called every one of us to do. It's not to be caught up in our brokenness, because Jesus changes that, but to be walking in our purpose. You're going to wrestle, so you better get trained up that it's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to wrestle with God, too, and, and, and never give up. I want y'all to say that with me. Never give up. Never give up. Come on, never give up. There you go. That's what I like to hear. How many of y'all ain't going to give up after this? Come on, somebody. That's awesome. I'm going to pray for you guys, but before I do this, I just want to say that I know you've walked in here, some of you, and maybe all of you, I don't know, every one of us does. When you walk in here with hurt, 
with frustration, with bitterness, and maybe that has been you. You fell an off the ladder and you are at rock bottom. That's not the destination. You have a way back up. And the only way, the only way, not by your talent, not by your genes, not by your family history, not by your job status or your money, but by a God who ultimately provides all of that. God, every, everything that we do, even our mistakes, it's all part of God's plan. Every, even our mistakes and our miss-ups and our time that we just do something stupid, that's all part of God's plan to teach us and to grow us. And He will use people if, you're, if you'll let Him use you. Because that's what he, he wants that for you. He use, if he can use drunks and people who stutter and people that are wrapped up in adultery like King David and, and who've left God's will. But ultimately, he gives away. He told David, you can climb back up the ladder. He says, Noah, you can climb back up the ladder because my grace is always going to be there. And my forgiveness is always going to be there as well. So Jesus today... As there's so many people in this world that are hurting, that they feel like they're on the ground, they feel like the, the ladder's falling out from under them, that God, that we'd never give up, never tap out, and that we're going to be wrestling a lot, especially with the enemy, especially even maybe even with you, God, in a way where we want you to do more. We want You want us to walk in our purpose, and God... And God, I pray that's everyone's desire here today is to be the champion of the faith. And to ultimately, the thing about Christianity is not about ourselves, it's about dying to ourselves and trusting in you and obeying you for everything. So God, if there's anybody in this room that's, that feels that way, that's hurting, or they want to take a step forward, they want to climb up the ladder even more, God. God, I pray that you give them the boldness to do so. You give them the strength, the power to make that and talk to somebody get connected don't isolate themselves God because you are a God of love and community as well Jesus so thank you for everything you're doing in this church and these people and this city God and Lord we lift your name up high and praise and thank you for everything you're doing amen amen thank you guys for being here this morning God bless you guys love y'all